Listener Production. Instilling something going forward and getting ready for whatever the next big planned or unexpected change is, it's thinking about purpose, meaning and outcomes. And my advice to senior leaders is hold the course. Your message to your people has been that you've trusted them, they've continued to work well. Don't undermine that. I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, and this is Fast Track. There are few real evidence-based studies about the impact of the COVID pandemic on leadership, work and change. There's a lot of hypothesising and some crystal ball gazing and guessing, but no real insights. My next guest was bemused by the line, work will never be the same again. And so as a leadership and change consultant, she went out to find out what senior leaders really thought and what they were experiencing. In this episode, we get the valuable insights collated from the interviews she's conducted. Lyndall Hughes is an established, experienced and incredibly well-regarded consultant with over 25 years of experience working in 15 countries, impacting over 15,000 people. Lyndall, thank you so much for joining us on Fast Track today. It's great to see you again. Thank you. Lovely to be here. So, Lyndall, to start with, why were you interviewing Was it because you were really sick of the crystal ball guessing or about the impact of COVID? What did you set out to do with the interviews? It really sparked as an idea right at the beginning of COVID because, uh, so I've always been interested, how do you initiate, but more importantly, sustain change? And as soon as COVID started and the impact started to be revealed, it was like, wow, here's a unique opportunity. When are we going to see a huge, significant change impact every organisation in every sector, pretty much in every country? Surely there's something we can learn about change. And yes, as time went on, I got a bit fed up with the truisms that were starting to come through in social media. So um, yes, it was bringing together the curiosity as well as, well, well, let's debunk and really find out what's going on. And were people readily interested in talking to you? Yes, um, that they were um, more than I expected. We purposely waited six months. So we didn't want to interview people right at the beginning where there was a lot of knee-jerk reactions, reactivity, getting people working well from home. We wanted to wait until there was enough experience and we could understand enough patterns. And interestingly, I, I really only spoke with the very senior executives and in many cases the CEOs. And as an example, with one global insurance company, I thought, oh, I, I won't approach the CEO because I know how busy they are given the circumstances. I'll approach one of the global GMs. And the CEO found out about it and insisted on being interviewed. Wow. So there was a, a lot of interest to both share and learn from others. Was it obvious that there was a pattern once you started speaking to the senior leaders? And I'm curious, was it a, an emotional pattern or a pragmatic pattern? What was emergent? It was very matter of fact. In, in okay. fact, it was surprisingly matter of fact, very reflective. Um, I had one senior executive say, oh, wow, you know, this is great. I haven't had a chance to think about it all. So I think it was that opportunity 
to bring what had been a day-to-day challenge into some sort of pattern for themselves. But, but it was very practical, very mm. pragmatic. And what were those patterns that you seemed to, to sort of, is there a, a zoom out view of what the pattern was during COVID, particularly at that time during 2020? I think it, the, the main thing that really stood out was this increased connection between leaders and their team. And as much as they'd been given a lot of lip service beforehand, there really was, um, if you take the word emotion, this strong emotional connection between leaders and their team, in many cases for the first time. Wow. So you collated seven insights. What are they? Really curious. So we we actually didn't start off wanting insights. Um, We started off with a change model in place and thinking, you know, we want to understand what are the foundations that were there which enabled success with a large-scale change? What were the levers that um, enabled the shift? And perhaps then also what are the wedges that they want to hold going forward? And it was so disparate and there was so much. There was no way that with the amount of information I had that we could have done that, which is where the seven insights. So then when we looked across all the information, we went, actually, there's seven really key themes that keep coming through, regardless of the industry and regardless of the scale of the organisation. So the first one was around structure. You know, structures worked when they supported care and the outcomes more than processes. So what really shone through was that leaders who were comfortable with structure and they were able to work well with structure performed very well and connected very well with the teams. Laissez-faire leaders, fly by the seat of their pants leaders, struggled. So structure was key. The second insight was around, you know, communicate all the time. Don't wait till you've got something that you think is worth sharing. Communicate all the time. And and sitting closely with that was the insight around communication must build belief. Care is at the heart of leadership. Yay. Finally, care, the thing that people have been talking about so much, actually came through as a really key learning for, for a lot of the leaders. Don't drop the ball on performance was the fifth insight. Immediate leaders make the biggest difference. And the best technology helps us be human. So technology enabled our humanness, which was interesting too. Rather than taking it away. So there are seven really great topics and insights to delve into. I've got questions for all of them, but I'm just going to focus on a couple of that's okay. This idea that communication must build belief. Now, the reason I'm personally curious about this is a lot of leaders I worked with and still work with, they're asking how much is too much, how much is not enough, when should I communicate, who should I communicate to, on what channel should I communicate. You know, it became a really almost a a lack of confidence about the communication style during this time. And I love this comment that you've made, this insight, communication must build belief. So can you help us understand that a bit more? Look, I think it's interesting what you were saying and what you heard. I think prior to COVID, particularly with a lot of leaders, there was this sense that communication was somehow a mysterious thing. And I'll leave that to the dedicated experts in the internal or external comms team. There will always be a role for that team. 
But I think in terms of communication that became very evident during COVID was it was more around conversation, having a really good, meaningful conversation. And and that insight around communication must build belief. It's if we have a good conversation, we create meaning together. So leaders ceased to need to be the one who knew everything. They were having a very human conversation with their team about what they knew. And that helped engender a belief in the team. The team still had purpose, even though we were all working from home. A belief that what I'm doing is still meaningful, even though I'm working from home. So communication became conversation. And that layers up in my mind to this idea of connection being the ultimate purposeful aim of leaders during this time. So communication must build belief between us about what we're doing, about the relationship. Mm. Yeah, that's so interesting. Another insight about communication is that you should communicate when you have something worth sharing and you said not when you know it all. Help me understand exactly what that means. So that wasn't a new insight. And and some of these insights were things that we knew anyway, um, you know, from 30 years of working with companies. Uh, And and one of the things that we knew was you you cannot over-communicate. So the messages for all leaders is there's no empirical evidence anywhere of over-communicating. People will just stop listening when they've had enough. So One of the messages that I've given to leaders over the years with large-scale transformative change is please don't wait till you know everything to communicate. Please, people just want to hear about the process. Even if you don't know the answers, give confidence in the process. And, And that's exactly what COVID did. There's something about our culture in organisations where leaders feel they have to know the answers and to open up a conversation where they don't know the answers and they might be asked questions where they don't know the answers makes them feel vulnerable. But COVID gave permission for everyone to be vulnerable. So leaders could have a conversation and say, here's what we know now, but I'll meet with you again tomorrow and tell you what I know tomorrow. Mm. So there was this permission to be authentic, really, for the first Mm. time in a long time. When you talk about that as an insight, I think of Al Kelly, who runs the whole of the visa organisation through the payments and technology company throughout the world. And he was within a week of the the early pandemic announcements in the States announced that no one would lose their job. Mm. And that was his first and foremost communication. And it's going down to the very needs of every individual. Mm. And then he said, and we'll figure it out as we go along. Mm. And I remember how impactful that was and thinking about how he did that. I don't know everything, but I know that no one will lose their job. And I think that that's coming back to that belief question, that leader has just re-established how meaningful they are in the lives of everyone. Mm. And it's that piece of trust. So many of the things we knew were just magnified. And I think the learning for leaders going forward is don't shy away from it, hold on to it, do more of it. It was, it's needed. Even if it's uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah, for them, exactly. So the, the insight that 
immediate leaders make the biggest difference. So your next boss or the person around is going to make the biggest difference. That fascinates me because often we think about the hero leader, someone sitting at the top making the big difference to all of the thousands of people that work in the organisation. So help me understand this one. It's interesting you mentioned that the great leader at the top because I think what, well, the literature around leadership has been moving away from great man, great woman for a long time. Uh, it's what you do that matters and absolutely that that bore through in COVID. I, I think what COVID also did, so, so we know, you know, through research that up to 50% of our experience is attributed to our immediate boss. And we just need to look at all the exit interviews. Why do people leave or why do people join? It's because of the people they're working with. That was magnified during that massive change that COVID brought on organisations. It was almost like leaders bunkered down with their team. And if you think about people who were in an office and could see multiple people and wave, all of a sudden office workers were now sitting at home. And the one that they had the greatest conversations with was their manager or their teammates. So it really, cohesion became really important. And that's something I've been advocating for a long time, uh, is that when organisations roll out transformational change, they need to be involving the immediate leader in how it's deployed, how it's designed, how it's shaped. Absolutely, that's what happened in covid So in the case of Visa, yes, someone at the top is saying you're not losing your job, but the reality of my experience is very much determined by my immediate manager. Absolutely. So so how would you recommend, if I'm an immediate leader, how would you recommend at work, what do you think I should pay attention to then if, if I'm making such a significant difference in the performance and well-being of the people? Three things stood out purpose, meaning and outcomes. Okay. And this really came from a discussion of the foundations, what was in place. So for those teams that really didn't have a hiccup with performance, um, didn't have a hiccup with this suddenness of the change, they already were very clear on their purpose, why they existed as, as a team. Everyone felt they had meaning with their work. It's really still mattered and how I contributed to the team. But more importantly, there was clarity around outcomes. I knew what was expected from me for my performance. So it didn't matter where I did it. And it just so happens now I'm working from home. So I think instilling something going forward and getting ready for whatever the next big planned or unexpected change is, it's thinking about purpose, meaning and outcomes. Okay, fantastic. Lyndall, I'm just wondering, you know, going through the second wave, third wave, fourth wave of this pandemic. And there's a lot of debate in the media, particularly about what certainty is, what change is, what the new normal is, what will it look like? People sort of trying to predict that we'll be hybrid or we'll all work at home. I'm just curious, where to for us now in your thinking, and I know you're you're an evidence-based person and not a crystal ball gazer, but you've done more research than just about anyone out there in terms of where to for now for us? What do you think is going to happen? 
the, the really strong message that came through from the interviews, and, and we coupled the interviews with surveys as well. So we wanted to go down into those organisations to make sure there wasn't a disconnect between what the executives were saying and what people leaders further down were saying. And it was quite coherent. What came through where we stand at the moment is a hybrid way of working. It seems to fill the need of both. Interestingly, Stanford's just released some research and they have aggregated data globally and they picked up, for example, data from EY in Australia. So quite pertinent to us as well, where more than 80% of people still want to keep working from home, but about 50% of employers want to bring people back. Mm-hmm. So I think there's going to be this tension point. And, and my advice to senior leaders is hold the course. Your message to your people has been that you've trusted them. They've continued to work well. Don't undermine that. Mm. Don't erode that. Hold it. Mm. So the things we can control as leaders in an organisation really are going to be how we lead our people and share that belief rather than enforcing new rules. Yeah, look, I think my gut is hybrid perhaps is the balance. Um, One of the challenges that people had virtually was having performance conversations and that, that's a real capability uplift, and there's probably a gap to that. The other thing which was an enduring challenge was around having talent being seen. Mm. It's very hard for talent to be seen virtually, and, and we need to have line of sight for talent for succession planning. Mm. So I think there are some things which, if possible, the hybrid model is perhaps the most comfortable for most. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how we evolve the ways of work, the future of work and how we live and work with and through this pandemic in the future. I just want to thank you so much, Lyndall, for sharing your insights. And I look forward to having a chat to you again at the other side. Thank you. I'd just like to finish with with a quote. Yeah. And I was going through the interview notes in thinking about this podcast And there was one quote that stood out from an EGM from an ASX30 company. And she said, the focus on response to COVID-19 wasn't so much about making the most of opportunities. It was about stopping us going backwards. Now is the time to galvanise the learnings and jump forward fast, getting ready for the next wave of unexpected or planned change. And I think it's that mindset of openness and jumping forward fast. Oh, wow, Lyndall, thank you so much for sharing that. That's plenty to think about and inspiring. So thanks for joining us here today on Fast Track. Thank you. Thanks so much. Fast Track was presented by me, Margie Hartley, producer Tina Matalov, audio production by Darcy Thompson, executive producer Jennifer Goggin. Listener.